0: Here is the conclusion of the matter. It's a good place to end a, a visit to Ecclesiastes, really, isn't it? At the conclusion. You know, we live in a troubled world. In, in our just short prayer time now, we were reflecting on some of those troubles. We can try and deny it, fight it, hide from it, but we can't escape the truth that our world is a mess. Our world is troubled. All over the place we can, we can see problems. So our question really is, how are we going to live in it? How are we going to make our way through this troubled world? And Solomon, in Ecclesiastes, has tried to look for answers to this question. How do we make it through the world? How do we get out of the other side of this? Back in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he said, I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. His question, the purpose of this, was how do we get through it? What's worth doing to get to the end? And here we are looking at the end of his investigation. But I guess the question is, can we really trust what Solomon has to say? So a few things, I think, give us the answer, yes, we can. First is, he established his credibility. He actually established why we can listen to him. See, Solomon was a man given a gift of wisdom. He was considered by his counterparts to be wise, to be an accomplished teacher. People that knew him, that's how they referred to him, how they um, considered him. And the wisdom from which he is writing has been given by God. It wasn't just his ideas, his sort of sitting down with some friends in the pub one night to see if we could work out the, the solutions to all the problems. He had thoroughly researched and experienced everything that he writes about. And we might wonder about his methods. We might wonder whether having to experience all of these things was really the best way to, to get to the answer. But that's what he's done, that's what he's put himself through. Made me think about um, sort of ministers that say, well, you know, I, I watch all this rubbish on television so that I know what everybody else is watching and I can, I can understand where they're at or whatever. I don't know, maybe that's true, but I've given up trying to watch too much rubbish myself. Solomon didn't just think about it. He put himself into these situations. He challenged himself really to try and experience all of these things, in order to to be able to say, this is what I have discovered to be true. He was considered to be one of the sort of top thinkers, top scholars of his time, as he carefully then recorded and wrote about this. So he's established his credibility as someone we can listen to. And because of his approach, he's somebody that we can See, as a voice of experience, he's not just speaking out of a sort of theoretical uh, ponderings, he's actually saying, this is what I've experienced. I want to share with you what I've, what's happened to me. There's nothing wrong with being just clever and intelligent, for sure, but knowledge is, is nothing really unless it comes out of wisdom, about putting wisdom about our experiences into our intelligence. And Solomon had this desire to go deeper than just the thinking about it. He wanted to experience them in order to be able to put his wisdom into them. And when we read the account of what he's, he's written here, he's not just saying, well, I've thought about it and I've spoken to other clever people. He's saying, I have been down this road. I have made this journey. I have made these choices. I have experienced these things, I know the results of these actions first hand and I want to share them with you. He's like a teacher who's gone ahead of his students. He's actually able to say as I share this with you I'm sharing it from my own experience. And we also know that Solomon kind of communicates this in a way that is relatively easy for us to understand. Sometimes we can look at the wisdom literature and it goes (laughs) over the top of our heads. And we have to sort of take a step back and come back at it again, a bit more slowly and a bit more carefully. But in truth, almost everything that Solomon says is fairly to the point and direct. It's not mystical writing. It's not sort of prophetic writing that we're supposed to try and interpret. It is direct. In Ecclesiastes Uh, chapter 12, 13, 14, it says this, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's quite straightforward, really, isn't it? There's no mystery in what he's saying at this point. It's not some deep theology that we've got to go and research. He says this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments you want to get through this world, if you want to work your way through it, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of mankind. This is all of it. So Solomon has sought to kind of give a, a, a solution to this question of finding purpose and meaning. It's, it's a question that was raised... In Deuteronomy chapter 10, it says this, What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And this is his conclusion, really, to that question and his, his desire to know the right way. Fear God, keep his commandments. In Proverbs chapter 1, right at the beginning of, of that wisdom literature, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be afraid of God in order to know how to live our lives. It means we should be people that, that fear him in the sense of having awe and wonder. That, that can only grow out of having faith in him and a relationship with him. And having that kind of awe and wonder for God is displayed in our obedience, in the choices we make in our lives. If we are in awe and in wonder of our creator God, then the right response will be that we will be people who are obedient. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we're to fear God and obey his commandments. And it's kind of like a discovery that that Solomon has made about the power for our lives that's come by testing the limits of human wisdom. Last week we were sort of looking at how some of the things he was advocating that came out of human thinking were just not really very sensible. Or some of the things he was testing. And he's pushed the limits of our minds in order for us to understand how, how insignificant they are compared to God's way of doing things. He studied the kind of the brief realities of our human lives and the abuse of wealth and power that we see around us. And as we reflect on those things that we were praying about earlier, they come out of abuse. Abuse of power, abuse of thought, abuse of our own ideas, abuse of wealth, abuse of all sorts of things that drives us to believe that we can do whatever we want regardless of how it impacts on somebody else. As he looks at this, he uncovers our our inability to control or even predict the future about our lives, about our limitations in trying to do that. And his last words in this book encourage us to fear God above all other things. Fear God. Be in awe of and in wonder of God. That's the answer. He then goes on to say, keep his commandments. If you are in awe and in wonder of God, keep his commandments. Solomon doesn't quite use the same words as Paul did when he was writing to the church in Galatians, where Paul said, the just or the righteous will live by faith. But back in Proverbs we have this, which is a similar kind of um, idea. He says, Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Keep his commands. Many years later, Jesus summed up the commandments that we're Encouraged here to, com- to keep. In two statements, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus brought all these commands into a very simple t- to remember, single statement really. And he did that because Jesus knew that people through all generations would pick and choose what they liked or didn't like about the commandments and the principles that God had already given us. And that's evidenced right through the history of mankind. We pick the bits that we like, we drop the bits that we don't like, we choose the bits that we think we're good at, and the things that are harder we kind of put away to another day. And so Jesus sums it up into this simple, simple statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love yourself, I love your neighbor, sorry, as yourself there 's nothing ambiguous about that, is there? Is, it, is there anything complicated about what Jesus says? Nothing complicated. love completely and in this message, when Jesus explains this to, to us and to the people listening then. He, he ends this, this message that we call the story, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, with a story of the wise and the foolish builders, as he addresses the foolishness of making poor choices. In the message, the, the translation, the message translation, it paraphrases Jesus' conclusion there like this. It says, if you just use my words in, in your studies and don't work them into your life, then you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. If you don't take what I say and actually apply it into your life, you're just foolish. And see, Solomon is quite clear at the end of his book here that each of us is going to stand before God and be judged on how we've responded, how we've related to him, how we've kept his commandments. He tells us we're going to be judged ourselves. We're not going to be judged on what anybody else did or what anybody else said about us. We'll be judged on what we did. Because how our lives, how we live our lives on this earth, actually really do matter. They do matter. We can make a difference to ourselves, but to the whole of creation. And we have to ask ourselves some questions if that's true. How have I sought to live my life according to God's will? Has that been a reality in my life? Have I loved and served others? Is that a mark of my life? Have I done what I should do in response to knowing who Jesus is? You know, when we stand before God, there are no excuses that can be accepted if we choose to go our own way. We will stand before him either on our own or we'll stand with him with Jesus. The choice is ours. The opportunity is the same for everybody to stand before God with Jesus by our side or stand there on our own and imagine that somehow we're going to persuade God that our choice was better, that our way was better. I don't know which option I'm hoping is going to be true for me. God will bring every deed into judgment, we're told. God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God, it says in Romans chapter 14. Each of us will have to give an account. The truth is about that. Will we have Jesus standing beside us? Or will we try to do it on our own? In Hebrews chapter 9 it says, Man is destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. Does that sound a little bit unpleasant? Uncomfortable? Not if you've got Jesus standing with you. There's nothing af- af frightening about that at all. If you're going to try and do it on your own, be worried. But not if Jesus is with you. So if we are faithful, then we will want to live our lives responsibly before God. Enjoy our lives the way God has prepared us to. Try and avoid those temptations and the sins that inevitably will come. And know this, that when we fall, when we stumble, when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we give in to temptation, we've already been judged and it's already been dealt with at the cross. The good news is this, that God always is willing to give us a second chance. Regardless of what we've done, he always is willing to give us a second chance. Do you know doesn't matter how clever we are. That doesn't always make sense. The idea of God's grace doesn't always compute. We, try to, we struggle with it. How do we understand the idea that God will forgive us and forgive us and forgive us and forgive us? That there is no limit to his forgiveness. And not just that. He doesn't just forgive what we did. He forgets it. He wipes it out. He stands us clean and new in front of him again. When we come to him repentant, sorry, truly seeking forgiveness, he is absolutely faithful to his promise that he will forgive us. He'll give us another chance. Do you know, there's nowhere we can go. We cannot go so far that we can't get back to God. We can't ever get out of his grasp, out of his reach. And we need to just make sure we're asking ourselves, am I ready to accept another chance from God? In Romans chapter 8 it says this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right at the beginning of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2, as he started this investigation, which ended with this this understanding that it was meaningless to do anything other than fear God and obey his commands. Right at the beginning, he wrote this. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. So let me ask you this. What are you doing that will last for the rest of your life. What are you doing that's going to last to the end of this year even? Or for the next ten years? Are you on target to accomplish what you want to accomplish in God through Jesus? Or do you need to change course? If you stop now and look where you're heading, are you heading in the right direction? Because if you're not, it's a good time to change direction. How does God fit into your plans? Or more importantly, how does your life fit into God's plans? Now all has been heard here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil.